Hello there and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Garrity. Today we're talking to Sanj Biro. Sanj is VP of EMEA Sales for Intercom. Sanj has held leadership positions in EMEA for more than 15 years, both as COO and SVP Commercial Sales for Salesforce EMEA and VP Operations and Customer Growth for Google EMEA. As a respected leader within the SaaS industry, Sanj has deep experience scaling sales teams at growing businesses. In this episode, we're chatting about how to build and scale sales organizations. Sanj talks about why attracting, developing, promoting, and retaining talent should be high on every leader's list. He also shares Intercom's approach to cross-functional collaboration, offers his insights into the key things you should know when thinking about scaling, and a lot more besides. So let's head over to studio to talk to Sanj Biro. Sanj, welcome. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks very much, uh, Liam. Uh, Long time listener. (laughs) That's great to hear. Always good to hear. So in the intro, I mentioned some of your previous roles, but I'd love to hear you talk about your career journey up until this point. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Um, Well, it's a pretty long one. I think really from leaving college, I knew what I wanted to do, which is work in technology. And I really wanted to work in a sales or go-to-market position. I started in the the days when the the internet was still fairly new, so showing my age. And uh, <laughs> the boom time at that time was around ERP and client-server applications for for large-scale enterprises, and that's where I really started my career. And I was very lucky in 2005 to join a company as a as a sales rep called Salesforce, which had just IPO'd. And they were pushing this kind of new way of utilizing technology. Why can't business applications be as easy to use as Amazon? And it was zero client, multi-tenant. And it was the start of really sort of the the clouds, the wave of the cloud. And I was lucky to join pretty early on and become a a sales rep. And I really grew from there. And I spent 14 years in Salesforce in various management and leadership positions and ultimately became the COO for EMEA before deciding 14 years was probably too long and I needed to do something (laughs) different. And I joined Google Cloud, which was a really interesting journey in a a company in a different place, but also evolving and transforming. And I did that for close to about 20 months. And then I decided I wanted to do something different again. And uh, I was looking at uh, different options, established companies. I was kind of maybe thinking about sort of more the scale up of uh, maybe a billion going to five billion is a, a good, interesting area for me to to work in. Right. And then the opportunity with Intercom popped up and I was lucky to meet with Leandra and Des and others. And very quickly, I, I concluded that Intercom was the next best uh, place for me to take on the next chapter of my career. And how have you been finding it so far? It's been amazing. It's been great. It's been uh, as I think I'm in month nine now and it feels like I've been here for longer. So I would say that's a positive thing. But the, the interesting thing about Intercom is kind of everything that you see on the outside. It's it's like that on the inside. It's a fast growing company that creates incredible products that customers love. It has a incredible leadership team that are really focused on building the company and scaling the company in the right way, very transparent, very collaborative. Mm. 
and it's filled with just uh, really smart, amazing people. So, so far enjoying it. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, it, it being the same inside and outside is, is a great way to put it. So, you know, in, in terms of leadership, what did you learn as a leader at Salesforce and Google that you've kind of brought with you? Well, I, I hope that a lot of experience in terms of scaling companies. When I joined Salesforce, we were not a too dissimilar size. We were probably around 1,000 employees. We were just pre-IPO when I joined a few hundred million in revenue. So it was a different role that I, I joined Salesforce in. But again, going through that level of scale is certainly something that I hope I can bring that experience to Intercom. But probably the, the main things that, that I learned in both Salesforce and Google, I mean, I was really lucky to work for great leaders. And I think any success that I've had in my career and any growth that I've had in my career has really been down to the fact that I've been lucky to work for great leaders uh, in great organizations where they've really invested in me and they've given me the mentorship that's really kind of helped me grow. And that's something that I really want to pay forward and bring into my own leadership mm. as I take on new roles. And then I think probably the final thing is that it's interesting that whether the company is sort of large and established or small and scaling, actually the problems that you see day to day are not that different. And I think the one thing that's constant as well is that if you really focus on getting your talent strategy right, attracting, developing, and promoting the best talent, if you really invest and work in that, uh, irrespective of the size of the organization, you have a really good foundation to be successful. So that's something that I, I hope I bring to Intercom in my role here. So I, I suppose that kind of leads us on to kind of talking about how to build and scale a sales organization. And, you know, I suppose it involves a, a little more than putting a job advert online, right? But you have to also put the right kind of information out there, like you say, for the talent in terms of attracting people. But how would you say to go about doing that? Well, yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, it, it definitely starts. Uh, part of it is putting a, a job advert online and attracting the right talent in. But I think any great sales organization that you want to scale has a clear vision and plan, not just for the, for the short term, but also in terms of your long range plan and what you want to achieve within the next sort of three years, the next five years. And as we discussed, I think the basis then of that is really in terms of attracting and developing the talent that will help you meet the, the, the goals of that plan, both short-term and long-term, because that talent's going to grow with you, right? The talent that you bring in now and then you attract for that first role, whether that's an AE role or even an SDR role, that's the talent that are going to become your future managers and your future leaders. They may leave, and but they're still going to hopefully say very positive things about your organization that is also going to help to attract in more and more talent. And as soon as you get that flywheel really working well for you, again, you have that foundation that allows you to grow and scale. I think also you need a really good operating plan and being able to communicate the vision of what great looks like and being able to measure that on a day-to-day -day basis is really important. And then I think it's really important to build that culture of success where people feel that they're set up to be successful in an environment where they feel they can do their best work. And I, I think, you know, our job as, as leaders and sales leaders is ultimately to, to have a good vision, to attract to the best talent, but also to create an environment that allows that talent to grow and thrive. And it makes such a difference, you know, when you're in that environment where you do feel that, you know, that you feel that you want to kind of make the best work 
of your career here. Absolutely, and it's 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 interesting. That's the they're they're the moments that you remember. So I I don't really remember all the times and years that I achieved my quota and how much I achieved to buy or how much I earned or even the awards or recognition I got. I mean, you know, I probably two moments in my career that I remember the most is the first time when I, I got put on a a high performance leadership program when I really didn't even think about being a leader, you know, that, that, that was a real sort of eye opener to me because mm. I was like, wow, this company really sees something in me that, that I don't. And plus they they want to invest in that, that, that was like a real yeah. sort of aha. And then the second moment was more when I was a, a leader and, uh, I, I remember it's quite a bizarre situation, but I remember I was uh, it was the last day of the financial year actually, and of course I had to be the last person to leave the office. So mm-hmm. it was about nine o'clock, and everyone had left, and there was a commotion in the corner where my French team sat. And I remember popping out of my office and wondering what was happening there. And the leader for that group, she told me that they were waiting for there was a new rep. And that rep was closing their first order. It was very small. It was like three or four K. Team had agreed that they were not going to leave until everybody had uh, finished, including this new rep. (laughs) I remember sort of walking back into my office thinking that was a moment where we got it right because the team was so vested in winning together that they they were there to help that new rep who was in her first month or second month get that order over the line. And that's a moment, of course, that new rep will remember and hopefully pay forward when she becomes a manager or a leader in her future career. Yeah, 100%. That's great. So um, what advice would you give for, you know, fostering a culture of broader company engagement in a sales team? First of all, I think this is uh, something that Intercom does incredibly well, that thankfully, maybe it's an outcome of our size, but those silos that exist between respective functions or uh, exist between go-to-market and product, they don't really exist that much within Intercom. I think there's definitely a culture of togetherness, collaboration, and transparency where we're all focused on providing the right outcomes for our customers. And that's awesome. Uh, I, I don't think I've worked in an organization before where I've been so close to products uh, and products have been so open and willing to let me in and be part of their sessions and their planning and to help influence and vice versa. We have this wonderful opportunity to bring products and other cross-functional teams to our customers. So we're always bringing the best of Intercom to our customers. And thankfully, our product people are probably better salespeople than, than I could ever be. So. <laughs> the opportunity to bring a product leader who will sit down and listen to the customer, but also provide insight, take their feedback, provide insight into how they could get more value and also share more on the roadmap is, is a hugely powerful thing. So I think Intercom does a, a great job in breaking down those silos. Maybe it's a product of our size, but I would also say it's a product of our, our leadership where the likes of Karen, our CEO, or Des and Paul and Leandra, they're very accessible. They really promote a flat culture uh, or a flat leadership uh, and organizational design. And they always want feedback and don't pretend to have all the answers. I would always call Intercom 
a learning environment or a learning culture where it doesn't pretend to have all the answers. Mm. It's really more focused on on asking the right questions and trying to get to the, the, the right outcomes together. A lot of SaaS businesses will have the economic uncertainty and how that impacts SaaS selling on their minds. What changes in the sales motion? Like, how do you navigate the change priorities of prospective customers? Right, absolutely. I think, well, what's interesting is companies are still buying technology. And when you look at the, the performance of technology companies, especially SaaS companies that we all know and love, you'll see that these companies are still growing at you know, 20, 30, 40% plus, uh, maybe not at the dizzy heights of during COVID, but the, the growth is still there. So clearly the demand is still there. And that's the demand for, for solutions that solve problems. So I, I think the opportunity is there for us maybe just to, to pivot and adapt our, our focus a little bit to focus on providing more value to the customer. I think the difference now is that the customer wants to, to de-risk that purchase as much as possible. They want tangible outcomes, uh, less risk, clear ROI, and less friction. So maybe the opportunity in the go-to-market or the buying cycle is to, to really focus on removing that. And also from a go-to-market point of view, to really kind of sharpen the go-to-market. So where are we winning? What are the industries and the regions where if we put more investment, uh, we could go faster and further, shifting that narrative around doing more with less, focusing on automation and AI, and also really uh, still helping our customers digitally transform. That hasn't gone away. Customers mm. are really looking to still rationalize their legacy applications. They're looking to become more digital, simplify their technology stacks. That opportunity is still there. And uh, maybe there's also an opportunity to shift that selling motion as well, where it's not about sort of the big ticket, complex, you know, risky implementation. Maybe it's about showing fastest time to value the land and then going from there. So I think there's a number of different things that you can kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, meter, you could switch up or switch down. But ultimately, I think the opportunity is still there and customers are looking more and more at technology to solve the problems that they see. Many of our listeners will be at this point where they're looking to scale. And I know earlier we talked a little bit about building and the foundations, but you had so much experience in this area. Like we said, you know, the 14 years you were with Salesforce, you know, and that company grew from only a few hundred employees to more than 70,000, I think it is today. What are some of the key things for people to know when thinking about scaling? Because it's scaling is not the same as growth. Right, totally. Yeah, scaling is absolutely not the the same as growth. And I think, you know, scale is kind of what you invest in to ensure that 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 growth becomes as as constant and linear as possible. But um, I've never seen it in an organization where, uh, you know, there is just a straight line, you know, from the left to the the top right. There's always going to be a few bumps and, and peaks and troughs within that, but definitely focusing on the long-range plan of what you want to achieve and, and how you want to get there. And then really kind of building the model that allows you mm. to get there is the most important, right? So what's the model that you have to, to get to 5 million of ARR? Is it 10 sales reps, you know, a couple of SDRs, a solution engineer? Well, that needs to then scale to get you to 50 million, maybe that's like 80 mm-hmm. or 90 reps, and that's another 
10 SDRs. And then that has to scale again to get you to 500 million. Maybe that's like 800 reps or 1,000 reps. And then you've got a different distribution strategy, et cetera. I think in the most part, that will follow a linear level of growth. And you need to, to invest in that as much as possible, not just in the sales capacity, but also in the supporting resources to get there, the recruiting, mm-hmm. the onboarding, the enablement, the talent management, sales ops, sales dev, sales programs. There's a lot of uh, supporting resources that need to be invested as you grow that, that sales capability. But also you have to remember that the machine will not work from day one and there may be certain things that you have to switch up or switch down. So be prepared to kind of adapt the strategy and uh, adapt to the machine as much as, as you can, but not massively because it also mm-hmm. takes a while to get that machine working, right? You're constantly optimizing that uh, rather than sort of pivoting in any uh, significant direction. And then, you know, once you're tweaking it and once you've got that model working, then you have a good foundation to start looking at potential productivity and or efficiency gains as well. It's hard to sort of ramp up a sales model whilst also showing efficiency and productivity gains as you grow. So there's sort of puts and takes to either. And I think once you've got that model really, really working well, where you feel you can add more capacity and go even further and faster, then you can begin to look at where you can put and find efficiency gains. And then the final thing is, sounds really simple, but align on the metrics that will tell you if you are doing great or not whether that's customer logo growth, logo retention, average deal size, average spend by customer, expansion growth, headcount, productivity per head, pipeline. There's a lot. So the more that you can condense that down into a set of like, you know, 10 performance indicators, maybe even less, that will indicate to you how that that model for growth is going or that model for scale is going the easier it will be for you to actually find out where the gap is and, and put in place the right remedial action to tweak that model. You, something you alluded to there was, you know, the importance of having a flexible, scalable sales process. And, and, and that is a, a kind of a really crucial thing to have. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, as you know, and uh, as, as many of the, your listeners know, that buyer behavior is is always shifting. It's your question earlier on, it's shifted again, right? Where buyers are more discerning, they're looking for more tangible ROI and uh, less risk and less friction in their, their first purchase. So you need a flexible sales process and sales model that can adapt to the customer, right? I think mm-hmm. it would be it would be a very boring profession if you were so rigid in your sales process that it, it didn't change because that's just not the world that that we existed. And thankfully, what buyers expect, what customers expect is changing on a, on a fairly rapid basis. And, and we need to be prepared to adapt to meet the customers where they are. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. 
In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service, and it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. The next question I have for you is, well, I suppose I wonder if it's a big one, but um, what makes a successful salesperson? You know, what are what are the traits? What, what do you, in your opinion, makes one? I think it, it, is a, it is a big question. I think the one constant thing that I see great salespeople do is that they are absolutely uh, almost obsessive about finding the right outcomes for their customers. They, they deeply care about making their customers successful, maybe because their reputation counts on it, maybe because they know that customers have a bad experience uh, with them. They're, they're probably not going to do business with them again, and they're probably going to share it. So they, they care deeply about the outcomes of their customers. That's personally what I think. I also feel that great salespeople, they, they carry a lot of accountability and they set a clear mm. expectation on, on what they want to deliver and how they're going to get there. I think their experience and their previous success helps drive that, right? They have the model for success and then they want for to sure. evolve that and they want to grow that and they want to get better and go further. They understand the company. Our, our best salespeople at Intercom, they know the company. They're really aligned with the values, our products and our propositions. They're, they're experts and they provide that value and that credibility to the customer straight away. And they're passionate. They're passionate about the solutions that they provide and the problems that they're solving. But I would say that the biggest thing is that they care deeply about their customer success. They think customer first. And that's really the the foundation of what makes them successful. Yeah, I think that's a great overview. But yeah, absolutely. Customer first and foremost. Cross-functional collaboration is something actually we've talked a lot about on this podcast, but it's so hard to achieve and it's even harder to maintain. So how does Intercom approach, you know, aligning sales with product and marketing and support? Yeah, absolutely. As mentioned, I think it's something that Intercom does very well. And I think a lot of it stems from the the leadership. They're really always looking to break down the silos that exist. Uh, In particular, you know, normally there's a a pretty big silo between products and and sales. And and in Intercom, I would say it's the reverse. I think part of the value that we bring to our our customers is that we're our product team really want to be connected and close to our customers. And we're always looking to, to do that as much as possible. Our product people are actually, as I said, uh, probably our best salespeople. So we, we invite our, our product teams to our QBRs that we have with our customers. We do regular roadmap sessions. We invite them to customer dinners, you know, customer planning sessions. But also our product team always want to, uh, to get the opinions of the, the field, uh, of the sales team. So 
We're always invited to product uh, sessions and their planning sessions and to provide insight into what's happening in the field, what's happening with our customers. We also have more formal processes like customer advisory boards. We have good feedback processes like MPS that allow us to really kind of get a feel for what our customers are thinking. Uh, and um, really, I, I think the value is just in almost like the informal culture mm. in built uh, in, a, in a company like Intercom where the mindset is always, it, it's very collaborative and it's a learning mindset from day one. So going back to a point I made earlier, it's not pretending to have all the answers or the best solution. It's really being more curious and inquisitive about the problems and then having this sort of collaborative mindset to solve that problem. So certainly there's no them and us between product and sales and other functions within within Intercom. But it's also, as we grow and scale, it's something that we think about every day that we want to continue because we think it's part of our mm. differentiator. And certainly the feedback we get from our customers is that they really appreciate it, that there's one Intercom and we're looking to bring the best of Intercom to our customers every day. 100%. So just before we wrap up, what do you see the Intercom sales org prioritizing you know, for the rest of the year? Well, we are growing and we're evolving and we, we continue to uh, evolve our go-to-market strategy, whether that's to move more into the mid-market enterprise segments or whether that's to invest internationally in, in our capabilities as we go more international or also in our capabilities as we sell, move from a product or a multi-product motion to a platform motion. So that's very much sort of the, the go-to-market evolution. And to do that, we want to continue to invest in our, our sales organization. And we're, we're continuing to hire, not just in sales, but in our relationship managers and our CSMs and our uh, sales engineers and our supporting resources like our SDRs. And what we're trying to do is bring talent in that will grow with us, but also provide lots of experience and insight into how we should grow. So I, mm. I have a very simple mindset of that every new hire we make should be really kind of raising the bar and helping us kind of think differently about how we evolve and we become the organization that we are seeking to become. We'll link to the careers pages in the show notes for this episode. So that's where you'll find them. But um, lastly, just where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work and what you're up to? Well, uh, first of all, it was great to be invited to this podcast. So thank you, Liam. Ah, Thank you. I'm speaking at Sastock in October and hopefully we'll be doing more podcasts like this. But if anyone wants to get in contact with me directly, you can always find me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, uh, Sanj Biro. And I'm always happy to talk to salespeople to provide any insights or to share a little bit more about what Intercom is doing. And um, yeah, they're the main areas to get me. Great. Well, Sanj, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. No, thank you, Liam. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sanj Biro. As Sanj mentioned, we are hiring in sales roles at the minute here at Intercom. So if you or someone you know is looking for a change, you can head over to intercom.com forward slash careers to read more. The link is also in the show notes. Okay, that's it for today. I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This is Inside Intercom. Inside Intercom.